Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 12, What Bobby Brought Home Part 1 Oh, look up. Speak to me. For my sake, speak, the children said the words over and over again to the unconscious hound in a red jersey, who sat with closed eyes and pale face against the side of the tunnel. Wet his ears with milk, said Bobby. I know they do it to people that faint, with eau de cologne, but I expect milk's just as good. So they wetted his ears, and some of the milk ran down his neck under the red jersey. It was very dark in the tunnel. The candle end Peter had carried, and which now burned on a flat stone, gave hardly any light at all. Oh, do look up, said Phyllis, for my sake. I believe he's dead. For my sake, repeated Bobby. No, he isn't. For any sake, said Peter, come out of it. And he shook the sufferer by the arm. And then the boy in the red jersey sighed and opened his eyes, and shut them again and said in a very small voice, Chuck it. Oh, he's not dead, said Phyllis. I knew he wasn't. And she began to cry. What's up? I'm all right, said the boy. Drink this, said Peter, firmly, thrusting the nose of the milk bottle into the boy's mouth. The boy struggled and some of the milk was upset before he could get his mouth free to say, What is it? It's milk, said Peter. Fear not, you are in the hands of friends. Phil, you stop bleating this minute. Do drink it, said Bobby gently. It'll do you good. So he drank, and the three stood by without speaking to him. Let him be a minute, Peter whispered. He'll be all right as soon as the milk begins to run like fire through his veins. He was. I'm better now, he announced. I remember all about it. He tried to move, but the movement ended in a groan. Bother, I believe I've broken my leg, he said. Did you tumble down? asked Phyllis, sniffing. Of course not. I'm not a kitty, said the boy indignantly. It was one of those beastly wires tripped me up and when I tried to get up again, I couldn't stand. So I sat down. Gee, willikins, it does hurt, though. How did you get here? We saw you all go into the tunnel, and then we went across the hill to see you all come out. And the others did, all but you, and you didn't. So we are a rescue party, said Peter with pride. You've got some pluck, I will say, remarked the boy. Oh, that's nothing, said Peter with modesty. Do you think you could walk if we helped you? I could try, said the boy. He did try, but he could only stand on one foot, the other dragged in a very nasty way. Here, let me sit down. I feel like dying, said the boy. Let go of me. Let go quick. He lay down and closed his eyes. The others looked at each other by the dim light of the little candle. What on earth? said Peter. Look here, said Bobby quickly. You must go and get help. Go to the nearest house. Yes, that's the only thing, said Peter. Come on. If you take his feet and Phil and I take his head, we could carry him to the manhole. They did it. It was perhaps as well for the sufferer that he had fainted again. Now, said Bobby, I'll stay with him. You take the longest bit of candle and, oh, be quick, for this bit won't burn long. I don't think Mother would like me leaving you, said Peter doubtfully. Let me stay and you and Phil go. No, no, said Bobby. You and Phil go and lend me your knife. I'll try to get his boot off before he wakes up again. I hope it's all right what we're doing, said Peter. 
Of course it's all right, said Bobby impatiently. What else would you do? Leave him here all alone because it's dark. Nonsense. Hurry up, that's all. So they hurried up. Bobby watched their dark figures and the little light of the little candle with an odd feeling of having come to the end of everything. She knew now, she thought, what nuns who were bricked up alive in convent walls felt like. Suddenly she gave herself a little shake. Don't be a silly little girl, she said. She was always very angry when anyone else called her a little girl, even if the adjective that went first was not silly but nice or good or clever. And it was only when she was very angry with herself that she allowed Roberta to use that expression to Bobby. She fixed the little candle end on a broken brick near the red-jerseyed boy's feet. Then she opened Peter's knife. It was always hard to manage. A halfpenny was generally needed to get it open at all. This time, Bobby somehow got it open with her thumbnail. She broke the nail, and it hurt horribly. Then she cut the boy's bootlace and got the boot off. She tried to pull off his stocking, but his leg was dreadfully swollen, and it did not seem to be the proper shape. So she cut the stocking down very slowly and carefully. It was a brown knitted stocking, and she wondered who had knitted it, and whether it was the boy's mother, and whether she was feeling anxious about him, and how she would feel when he was brought home with his leg broken. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires, and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.